Hi, I'm Amanda. And I'm Katie. And we're the founders of the Best Life Moms Club and hosts of That Pregnancy Podcast. We are two moms with a bunch of kids under the age of three. Five to be exact. And we know firsthand how hard it is to be a mom. So we're talking about all the topics that no one ever talked to us about. And not only is it hard being a mom, but it can be lonely and isolating, which is another reason why we're here to help moms like you know that you're not alone. Now, it's important to know that we are not doctors or medical professionals in any way. So always talk to your doctor or healthcare provider with any questions or concerns about your health or the health of your baby. We are moms sharing our lived experience and talking about all things pregnancy and life as a mom. So let's have a chat. Hello and welcome to That Pregnancy Podcast. This week is part two of our conversation with Rachel about her delivery at a birth center. If you haven't listened to the last episode yet, go do that right now. Uh, Previously, we had discussed her pregnancy and her decision to go from OB to midwives at a birthing center. And this week we're talking about her delivery. So Rachel, why don't you tell us all about your delivery? I guess my due date was November 7th. And that week, my mom flew down the week of my due date. So my due date was on a Saturday. She flew down like the Monday before that Saturday. Um, She's, you know, the midwives told me, you know, just keep in mind, a lot of first time moms do tend to go late, but they said, not every mom, they said, we're not going to tell you all mom, first time moms. They said, cause we have seen it all. So they said, we want to prepare you like the due date. They said the due date is a moving target. It is really, you know, the baby will come on their birthday and that's the day they're born. And we don't know when that is. Um, so uh, my mom came down the week before just to be there for me. Um, And that's another thing at the birth center. I wanted my mom and my mother-in-law to both be present and the birth center allowed that, which I was really thankful for. So especially during COVID. Right. right. Did anyone have to get tested? Like did your, did your mom and your mother-in-law and your husband have to get tested or anything just because they're letting more people in than what a hospital would allow? They, they left that also optional depending on each family situation. Um, so uh, that was something that was with each individual uh, mother that was coming. They treated it as, you know, they said, they let us know up front that we allow families. And as far as the protocols for ensuring they've been tested and everything that follows along with that, since we already allow families, we're, you know, we're not going to be holding that super strict. It's individual. Um So that, of course, was up to my mom and my mother-in-law. And I was comfortable at that time, uh, given where we were at and how we had experienced the year so far to just uh, let my mom and my mother-in-law make that decision for themselves. But Um, that just made me think, so along that lines, did you, was masking an issue at all? Because for, you know, the fall, pretty much all of that year into 2021, there was always, you know, some, wherever you were, sometimes mothers had to wear masks during labor, sometimes during delivery. Did, was that a thing for you? 
not at the birth center. And that was another, that was actually one of my first questions. I said, well, I not one of my first, but when I had the consultation, I was like, well, I have to wear a mask. And I, you know, they already didn't require masking to come into the birth center. So I already kind of knew that, you know, they, they were like, look, honey, they said, you're going to be laboring. Um, you know, we feel like you're healthy and you're taking care of yourself and the people that are going to be coming with you are healthy and taking care of themselves. You know, we're not requiring you to be masked during your labor. Um, and I, I personally really appreciated that, um, because that was another unknown factor. And I felt, you know, very confident in how they were managing their facility. Um, there was never an, a, a red flag that popped up despite how they were choosing to handle you know, protocols at that time. Um, and it was their choice to do that. So I was very thankful to everything was optional. They said, if you feel like you and your whole family need to be masked, we'll honor that. And, you know, we'll be masked around you, but if you prefer to not be masked, we'll also respect and honor that. So I was thankful for the option. <laughs> yeah. That sounds nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So you were able to have your mother-in-law and your mom, and your husband. Mm -hmm. And my midwife, she, when she found out I wanted to have my mother-in-law and my mom both present, she said, she's like, are you sure about that? And I said, yeah. She goes, she's like, I'll advocate for you if I need to. She's like, because her experience with mothers and mother-in-laws had often been negative. A lot of, um, a lot of mother-in-laws can tend to get too involved and the midwives are going to advocate for the mom. And they've had to actually have mother-in-laws leave the birth center because they've, you know, been too much. And so she kind of looked at me like, that's nice, honey, that you want to have your, your mom and your mother-in-law. She's like, but I'll be prepared to advocate for you. She said, cause ultimately only you and your baby matter. She's like, they, people can be present, but if I need to kick them out, they're going to be kicked out. Um, but she was, I think at the end was very surprised. My mom and my mother-in-law are like best friends. They love each other. So, and they were very respectful. Um, so that was kind of funny. She, <laughs> she was not prepared for that. <laughs> There's that moment of like, where they're like, okay, yeah, sure. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're we're, nice thoughts, sweetie, but you know, we'll see how it really goes. Um, but yeah, when I went, so I obviously didn't have my baby on the due date, the due date. Um, but that following Monday, I woke up and I told my mom, I said, I feel really grouchy and irritable and I don't know why. And I was just sitting in the living room, just felt like I wanted to punch the wall. And my mom looked at me and she goes, that's good. She's like, you're going to probably go into labor soon. My mom had six babies. Um, so she, that's the reason why I wanted her present. My mother had, was a seasoned veteran in having babies. And she just kind of looked at me and said, you're going to go into labor soon. I'm like, because I'm grouchy. And she goes, yep. <laughs> and the next day was Tuesday and I woke up and I felt kind of crampy and I went to the bathroom and I had lost my mucus plug. And I was like, oh, this is what they're talking about. I'm like, this is wild. I'm and like, I've what? never seen a mucus plug. Like I've never seen mine. So like, you know, I was thinking like something intensely horrifying or like from some sci-fi movie. No, it just, you know, looked like I kind of started my periods. So I'm like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> Anticlimactic. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm the kind of person that I like to watch when my blood is drawn. I'm like, Oh, so cool. You know, the body's amazing. So I, of course was like, Oh, that, well, I came out and said, mom, I think I lost my mucus plug. And she said, yeah, that's what it was. And she's like, how are you feeling? I'm like, fine. And I, you know, the rest of the day, I didn't really have any contractions or anything, but I had a strong desire to pack my snack bag for the birth center. Really? I had not. Yes. And it, it was kind of the only thing I could think about doing was I needed to have my snacks because the midwives told me that I was free to eat and drink uh, during my labor. If I felt like I needed that nourishment, if I needed to be hydrated with juice or if I needed a bar or some, you know, whatever I needed to sustain my body. Cause we didn't know how long I was going to be laboring for. So, um, I got really excited about that cause I love food. <laughs> and so on Tuesday I lost my mucus plug and then I went to the store and had to go pack my snack bag apparently. So I think I was nesting hardcore priorities. <laughs> priorities. <laughs> yeah. And right. I had, and I had to take my dog to the vet. So that very important things. Um, but I had an appointment later that day, just a regular appointment with the midwives. My mom and my husband went with me. Uh, my midwife asked me if, uh, she said, how are you feeling? I said, I lost some mucus plug this morning. She goes, okay. She's like, that doesn't really mean a whole lot. She's like, it can mean it's happening now, or it's going to happen in a week or more. You just don't know. And she said, would you like me to check you at this time, you know, to see if you're dilated at all. And we had not checked during, uh, my entire time with them. So I said, sure. And she looked and she said, oh, well, you're two centimeters dilated and you're about 65% effaced. She said, and you have some bloody show. So honey, I think you're going to have your baby in the next, you know, you know, 24 to 48 hours probably. And I wasn't having contractions at that time. So she said, we'll go home and we'll probably see you in a few days. And I went home and we had dinner. And then after dinner, I started getting contractions and they were very, very regular. Um, and they definitely were not like period cramps. That's kind of what people had told me, but for me, they were, they were just like a a wave of pressure. Um, Mm -hmm. and I knew right away, I'm like, these are contractions and my entire belly was tightening and it dawned on me that I think I had had this before, but I thought they were Braxton Hicks, but I think I'd actually had contractions maybe a few days before. Um, but I had just, I have a very high pain tolerance, which made my husband really nervous. And I kind of brushed things off as not a big deal. Um, so I think I had brushed these off. Oh, I just had in Braxton Hicks. But, uh, that night I was like, oh, these are contractions. Um, and I looked at my phone and they were like every, you know, seven minutes apart. So around 9 PM, I just told my husband, I think I'm having contractions and my mom said, okay, you better he didn't know, he that. didn't know beforehand that you were having contractions. You just kind of kept no. that, you kept that to yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was just like, Oh, no big deal. But I had found out that my husband that night at our appointment, he had stepped outside and talked to the midwife and said, without me realizing it, he had talked to her and said, my wife has a really high pain tolerance. He said, so he's like, when should I bring her to the birth center? Cause she's going to say she's fine. And he's like, that's probably going to mean she's about to push the baby out. And, uh, when the midwife had done my, had checked me, um, I hadn't reacted at all. And sometimes you can be very sensitive at that time. It can be very and, uncomfortable. Like it, it's yeah. not a cervical check is not comfortable. 
No. And I had not reacted at all. Um, and so the midwife said, yeah, I can tell already by how she reacted to that, that she's probably going to, you know, keep it under wraps. And so she said, I'll let you know when to come. It'll be sooner than later if she's actually in labor. So when I told my husband, I was having contractions, we started timing them and they were every five minutes apart. And I was having to pretty much focus through them, you know, like I had to like get lean over my uh, birthing ball. I was leaning over the bed. I was having to breathe. It wasn't painful. It was just like intense. I had to really focus. Um, all encompassing. Yeah. And my husband's like, we need to call a midwife. I'm like, I don't want to be the person that calls the midwife, you know, so many times and tells them I'm in labor. And then I don't want to go there and it not be the right time. And my husband just looked at me and said, we're going to call. Um, my mom had gone to bed. She said, I'm going to go to bed. You just let me know how things are going. Um, and my husband called the midwife and I was leaning over the bed at the time. And she goes, hi, what's going on? He said, well, she's going into labor. She's having contractions. And I think she was like, okay, you know, probably going to be another day or so. Um, but while we were on the phone, um, I wasn't able to talk to her through my contractions. And that's kind of a tell for them. You know, if you can't really talk through them, you should probably come. Mm-hmm. Um, and she could also tell how regular they were. So she said, I want you to get here. I want you to leave by midnight and get here to the birth center by one. Um, so I just labored at home for a couple more hours. And then we got in the car at midnight and I was dreading the car ride because I was so uncomfortable and I couldn't imagine riding in the car (laughs) because I was literally trying to push myself off the seat. Um, but when I got in the car and we started heading to the birth center, um, my contractions actually slowed down a lot. Um, so I was thankful for that, but I also told my husband they're slowing down. I said, this is probably not it. (laughs) That's the, that's the sphincter reflex that happens, Mm -hmm. which is exactly what happened with me. That saved me from not having Maeve in the ambulance is that because you were transported, you were out of your comfort space. Your body was said like, we can't have this baby here. We're going to slow down and actually probably de uh, dilate you, like close you up a little bit more and slow you down so that you could get to the, to the birthing center. That's yeah. crazy. Cause I had not known that at that time, but yeah, I, I freaked out. I thought, Oh, this is not real. Um, but we made it to the purse center and she took me into the exam room and she looked, she checked, she said, okay, I'm going to check you. And I was a hundred percent of face and eight centimeters dilated. Um, Whoa. <laughs> and she said, Oh honey, you're going to have this baby tonight. Um, and I was just, th- I remember thinking of some like, yes, I'm like, this is going to be quick. I'm ready for this. Let's get this done. Um, and they got the birth birthing room set up. Um, she had me get on the bed with a peanut ball, a pillow, peanut pillow. I think is what it's called uh, between it's, your legs. Yeah. The giant pill, the giant, giant peanut. Yeah. The, I hated that thing. I wanted to burn it, but she wanted to, she's like, we're going to try and open you up some more. So lay on the bed with the peanut pillow uh, between my legs. And I hated that because the contractions were just all encompassing at that time. Um, and I started to feel a little nauseous. Um, so laying on the bed and with that pillow, I was like, Whoa, I can't do this. Um, so they asked me, how do you want to ideally, where would you like to have your baby? And they said, would you want a water birth? I said, I said, however, this baby needs to come out, 
you know, she can come out. I said, I would love to try for a water birth, but I was not hard set. Once I was there, it was, they were following my lead, but I was also following their lead. Um, and so they filled up the birthing tub and, uh, I got in there to labor with my contractions. I was very vocal during my labor because I tend to hold things in. So my midwife was really coaching me. She's like, you got to make some sound. She's like, if you feel comfortable, she's like, cause I was holding my breath through my contractions a lot. Um, so I was getting coached in the tub. The water felt amazing, but I also could barely stand to be sitting still. <laughs> um, and so I moved around that person. I was around that entire facility throughout my labor. I got out of the tub, um, walked around, did laps in the birth center, working through my contractions, having to stop and lean over every time they hit. Um, and at that point I was going through what they call transition. And that's where things took a bit of a turn um, because transition, I was not progressing through it, like they anticipated I would. Um, it was excruciating. Um, just, it was intense. Um, you know, I, I just felt like I couldn't, I'm like, I don't think I can handle any more than what I'm currently handling. But I can't, um, the, I can't wall. Yeah, yeah. I really, you know, it just, and I could, I couldn't talk to anybody. I, at one point was leaving, leaning over the front uh, counter of their birth center, you know, laboring and they were sitting in chairs, the midwives, I do appreciate they were always present, but never in the way. Um, like I, I knew in the back of my mind, they were there, but they were, you know, even when they were checking my baby's heart rate. And that's another thing they were using, um, a handheld, monitor to check the baby's heart rate. I wasn't attached to anything the whole time because I was just everywhere. Um, but they were very subtle about it, you know, and didn't draw any attention to it um, because they really don't want me stressing about the baby's heart rate. And she was fine the whole time. Uh, the girl was a trooper. The baby, uh, our daughter, she just never, her heart rate just steady as can be pretty much the whole time. Um, but they noticed in transition that every time they went to check her heart, she was in a somewhat different position. So they had to like move the monitor and they go, Hmm, something's going on. You know, like she just is moving a lot down there. Um, so I went back to the tub, uh, to labor some more. I needed hot water <laughs> on my back at that point. Um, I labored in the tub for a little while. And then I, um, felt kind of felt like I needed to push. So they started coaching me through that a little bit. Um, so I was able to do some pushing in the tub, but nothing was really happening. I was getting really tired at that point. Um, I think it was probably close to three or 4 AM. And, uh, I actually, my contractions stopped. I got through transition, my contractions stopped and I fell asleep in the tub for an hour. Um, and it went wow. by just like that. Apparently I just fell right asleep and my body, this was right before I started pushing. And it's amazing what the body knows it needs to do when you give it the space to really experience that. And so my body, the contraction stopped for a complete hour and I slept for an hour and it felt like a minute. And I remember I, my head came up and I looked at my husband, I'm like, what's going on? And he said, you've been asleep for an hour in the tub. <laughs> That is amazing. Uh, so hold, and on, I was, hold on a second. 
the while you were sleeping did they just like watch you to make sure that you were okay and you just yeah. had people watching you while you slept yeah yeah so my uh the midwives were there we, i had my midwife uh and her the midwife assistant and they were checking you know things while i was in the tub um they were just very uh very how would I say? They just did not draw a lot of attention to it. So they were monitoring me and checking the baby. Um, and of course, when I fell asleep, it's not like they just all walked away and I took a nap in the tub for an hour. Um, no, no, were, but yeah. they're, they're monitoring you. And then all of a sudden you fall asleep. So yeah. I'm just surprised was, that you, you number one, you fell asleep in the tub because that'd be kind of awkward. But number yeah. two, like, yeah. It's just kind of an awkward time, but obviously your body needed to recover a little bit, right? Yeah. Were you yeah. were you bent over kind of the edge of the tub? I was reclining. Asleep? I was reclining in the tub. So I was oh. sitting in the water and I, I was reclining and I had a towel behind me. Um, and you know, I would lean back in between contractions and I just got, you know, really tired um and things slowed down and the midwife did say, I think your body, I think you got through transition and I think your body is needing some rest. Um, and that's when I fell asleep. So it wasn't like one minute I was going through contraction the next minute. I just conked out. Um, I just fell, I just fell asleep. Um, and then, uh, when I woke up, uh, I felt the urge, like the contraction started up again. And I said, I feel like I need to push. Um, and so, uh, I labored a little bit more in the tub, but the midwife said, we need to get you out. You know, things need to be progressing a little faster at this point. Um, so they got me out of the tub. I sat, um, they have a position where you can sit backwards on the toilet, um, mm -hmm. to kind of help open things up and bring the baby down. I did not like that at all. It was very powerful. Um, but they were at that point really trying to, uh, coax her down because something was stalling the progression of her, you know, getting into a position where I could push her out. Um, her heart rate was fine though. I was fine. You know, there were no red flags with either of our vital signs. Um, but something was stalling the progression of her coming out. Um, so they eventually moved me uh, to the bed again. Um, and I laid on my back and tried a little bit of pushing. Um, and her head was, they, at that point said, you're making progress, you know, her head is, would come out a little bit and then it would go back in, which is kind of normal. You know, it does kind of go back and forth. It rocks. Um, yeah. Right. But I was getting to the point where I was pushed with all my might, you know, really bearing down and pushing into those contractions. And she would still make just a little progress and go back in. Um, and the midwife said, okay, we're going to, um, I think it's called the Mm, rebozo. It's like a, a scarf that they have you hold it. They use it for different uh, points in labor. Um, I want to say it's called a rebozo. I might be saying that wrong. It's a scarf that you can use at different points in your labor. And uh, at this point, they wanted me to use it in a sense of like tug of war, um, where I was holding one end and then the midwife was holding the other two ends of the scarf. Um, so, uh, I went into on my back, uh, I had a midwife assistant on one side, holding a leg up. My husband was holding my other leg up and I was grabbing the scarf and every contraction I would pull 
against the midwife pulling opposite pressure. Hopefully this is making sense. Um, it's kind of just tug of war essentially. Um, but uh, she said, we're going to use your writing experience to your advantage um, mm -hmm. because I had a lot of muscles uh, with that kind of muscle memory. Um, and so it gives you the opportunity as a, when you're pushing to bear down a little bit more because you have that counter pressure. Um, and so I did pushing with that and that was pretty wild. It took a lot of effort. And it felt like at that point I was using every bit of my energy to, uh, try and push this baby out. And she was still kind of coming out and then kind of going back in. It looked like at any moment, her head, according to my husband was going to come out and then it would just go back in. Um, and at that point, the head midwife came in and she, I think had been consulting with the other midwife and she said, okay. She's like, we got to get this baby out. Her heart rate was fine. I was fine. But at that point, something needed to progress because I was pushing at that point for about three hours. Um, oh, wow. And like, yeah, fighting and pushing. Yeah. Yeah. And I was getting exhausted and they could sense that I was getting really tired, um, you know, and I was pushing a lot. So the head midwife came in and she said, we're getting this baby out. And she said, she coached me like, a football coach. She said, push, you can do this. I said, I can't do this. I remember saying I can't. And she said, yes, you can push harder. Try again. Like she just really came in with a powerful presence. She said, we're getting this baby out and she's coming out now and you can do this. You want to see your baby. And she really uh, lit that extra fire in me that I needed because at that point I, I felt very defeated. Um, you know, that I said, you guys say I'm making progress. I don't feel like I am. Um, and sure enough, according to my husband, her head popped out when I pushed really hard at one point. And then the main head midwife went and as her shoulders came out, she grabbed her and twisted her out. And apparently uh, my daughter was born with her elbow stuck up by her head. <gasps> so she she, she did a karate chop. Her arm just, my husband says she dabbed. She just shot her arm out as she came out. Um, and that explains why she was not progressing. <laughs> wow. So was she stuck then because of the way her elbow and everything I was? She, I think she was, she was just having a hard time, obviously getting past her, getting her head and getting to the point. So her elbow was like this, if you look like, kind of like this. So she came out with so, her elbow up, up, up her against ear. her, up against her head and uh -huh. alongside upright. Yeah. And wow. So yeah, essentially doubling the width of her head, which would make it hard to progress down and drop down. Exactly. Yeah. So that explained a lot. And she just karate chopped her arm when she came out and um, I felt that elbow, I will say, because the midwife said, you've got to push her heads out. You need to give her one more push. And I, I felt like almost like, I'm like, Ooh, I'm like, this feels like, you know, I'm going to be torn in half almost. And then she came out and that explained a lot. Um, I did end up having not even a first degree tear surprisingly. Um, but I wow. felt it. <laughs> wow. That's I amazing that it. you didn't tear. Like you didn't have they, a degreed tear. They were doing a lot of counter pressure. The assistant was doing a lot of stretching and counter pressure. Um, 
So I think that really helped me. Um, they were really guiding my body along with the baby's body. Um, and she came out, uh, we did delay cord clamping. Um, so she was still attached. They laid her on me. And I just remember she was a big, fat, chubby, eight pounds, 10 ounce baby. And I was, that's the first thing I said was, you're so chubby. I was just like, I'm like, and I think my husband said, the next thing I said was, why didn't you come out? Why didn't you come out? <laughs> you know, so she was laying on me. And I, I do remember I was, I thought there would be a bigger sense of relief, but I was still in a lot of pain given how she came out. So that was very distracting to me was the pain. Um, but she was laying on me. And unfortunately, this is the part where it gets a little, it got a little scary um, at this part was her cord snapped. So we were doing delayed cord clamping and her cord snapped. Um, and the midwife, so my, I was still trying to pass my placenta, um, still trying to get the placenta out. And they're very, the midwives are very strict about, you've got a very specific time frame as to when you get that out. You do. Um, yeah. It's like an hour. You need to get yeah. it out. Yep. And they have, they have everything in place, you know, to have me transferred to the hospital if they have to. And, um, so I was trying to get the placenta out and, you know, the baby's still attached to the umbilical cord and it snapped and the midwife grabbed it. She said, you're okay. The baby's okay. Um, but then it snapped again. And unfortunately I had not passed my placenta. Um, so she had to quickly, she just looked straight in my eyes. She said, I'm so sorry, I have to do this. And she had to go in and manually remove, uh, the placenta because the cord had been sucked back in. So of course that's a high risk. Um, you know, she just looked at me and she knew exactly what, I mean, there was no hesitation. She went in, she acted, it was very shocking for me. And that was probably the most traumatic thing because you birth a baby, you think you're done you know, with anything inside of you. And then all of a sudden somebody is having to go in and manually, you know, get your placenta out. Um, and I was bleeding a lot at that point because it had partially come off. So that's why she had, that's why the cord snapped is the placenta had partially separated. Um, but there was still tension. Um, if that makes sense. So, it didn't, it didn't drop off right away. No, naturally. no. And that's, yeah. that's what caused the cord to snap. Um, uh, the baby and I were, oh, you know, she could, she could not care less. She was just laying on mom, you know, she was fine. And even during all of that, the room, there was not a sense of extreme, uh, panic, uh, which I appreciated. They really, they just knew exactly what to do. They gave me, I was bleeding a lot. They gave me all the correct medication that I needed to cope with that, you know, some things that would help to, uh, get the bleeding to slow down. Um, and they removed the placenta, ensured that it was all there. Uh, that was really important. Um, and they kept an eye on me. The baby was fine. I was fine. Um, but that was really intense. And that's almost a period during my story where I don't quite, it's not very clear, you know, because I think you tend to block things like that out, you know, and you're like, Ooh, that's intense. Um, it, it takes time to process something that's scary and traumatic because trauma takes, it comes in so many different forms. Right. And yeah. in that moment of something shifting so quickly and so, and can be so scary. And even though like your midwives were so calm, like that's a, something that you weren't expecting and that can yeah. throw you for a loop in a really 
in a way that you're not prepared for. So it takes time to process that. And right. You know, like you kind of glaze over, it's like, it's like you kind of joke about it, but when you actually think about it, you're like, Oh my, Oh my gosh. Like this is, that was bad. Yeah. Well, and yeah. I've, I have never heard of that happening to anybody, right? Like it's not yeah. one of the, like you hear of different things happening in birth, but that's not one of them. Right. Like you hear about the tearing and, you know, some of the, you know, the heart rate dropping or something, but you or, don't hear about, you know, the placenta going back up. Right. No, I've, ne- I've or, never, I've never heard cord of it. snapping. I've like, never heard of the cord yeah. snapping. I've heard of like retaining yeah. the placenta and not pass it or partially, partially retaining this placenta, but I've never heard of a cord snap. Yeah. I had never heard of it either. And it was, you could audibly hear it. It was so loud. It sounded like a whip cracking when it snapped, you know, and she, well, the first time it snapped, she grabbed it, you know, and she was holding it. And so they, my baby was on me and the court, you know, they had it already clamped on her end at that point. She clamped it quickly and held on. Well, then it, you know, snapped again and got sucked back in. Um, and that of course is where you have to act very quickly because, you know, your body, you need to get that out of your body and that's going to cause bleeding. And I already was bleeding a good bit. Um, and so once they got it out and of course gave me the injections I needed, um, you know, they, they were all working very quickly, but the tone of the room got intense, but never panic. Um, which I really, you know, looking back, you know, even my mom and my mother-in-law were sitting there like, (gasps) you know, my goodness, but even they kept their facial expressions very calm, you know, so I'm thankful for that because there's really in that situation, nothing that would have benefited me if I had been stressed, I could not change what was going on, but she, once they got me, you know, stable, she, my midwife said, I'm so sorry. I had to do that. She said, but she said, you would not have made it to the hospital if I had not acted quickly. She's like, I had to do what I had to do. This is what we were trained to do. Um, And she didn't want to scare me, but she said, you know, that was very serious. Um, And that's very rare, rare to have that happen. Um, And so at that point they, I had a, I was, you know, fine. I, I never even felt lightheaded or, you know, like anything in me had changed. I was just exhausted. Um, but at that point, uh, my daughter, Charlotte, because of how she was born with her elbow up by her head, she came out with her neck a little stuck, right? Because she had been in the birth canal for so long with her elbow up by her head. So they actually had a chiropractor on call that I had seen for a few visits. And he came within the first hour of her being earth side and gave her an adjustment uh, right there. Uh, And so that way she could try latching on me um, because of her being so stiff, she would have had a difficult time trying to latch. Um, That, that is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was a lifesaver. (laughs) I I remember my, my uh, chiropractor, she was telling, you know, saying like, yeah, sometimes I will come to the hospital or I'll come to the home and do an adjustment, like within hours of birth. I was like, really, that would be amazing. And then I had never heard of that. I didn't even think of that, but like, it is a, that's so awesome that they had someone that they work with already. So they were like, yeah, we're just going to bring them in so that we can get get her to latch. Like, that's awesome. Yeah, it was great. He gave her instant relief and I had seen him for a few, uh, 
you know, appointments during the last week of my pregnancy. So I knew him, which was great. Um, but he came and adjusted her and, you know, before he adjusted her, she could barely turn her head. And after he just adjusted her, she looked around the whole room and she was very alert right after being born, her eyes were wide open and she was really looking around. Um, so that was very cool to see. And, um, they had her try and latch on me, um, while they were stitching me up. Um, and unfortunately I had, that was challenging because postpartum, I had a lot of struggles, uh, breastfeeding her in the beginning because I was really inverted, um, had really inverted nipples. And so getting her to latch during that first latch was challenging. And of course, that was a little bit stressful because I was like, Oh no, <laughs> you know, she's going to be able to latch on. Um, but she did eventually. And they, uh, at that point I was in the room just relaxing. They had stitched me up. Uh, you know, we were all re relieved and thankful. I felt good, just exhausted. And I was there for, a few, I want to say, a three, three, two or three more hours. And they, if you feel good enough, they do like to try and get you home that day. If you feel up to it, to get home and get comfortable and do the rest of your recovery at home. Um, and so, wow. yeah, um, that of course they do monitor you and, um, but they do want to get you home, relaxing at home and they will have a midwife come and check you at home. Um, and, uh, I was at that point, they had brought me food. I was eat. I was so hungry. I was ready to eat, drinking me some orange juice, eating some Chipotle. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, what, what were you eating? <laughs> I was eating Chipotle. Apparently that's, that was the closest thing. I just, they said she needs food. Let's get her some food. Um, and then, uh, I think I want to say, so she was born at 1137 AM. And I was there until about three. And then they said, do you want to see how you feel? Try and, you know, try to go home. Um, but I, I felt really lightheaded uh, when I stood up. And so I didn't, I wasn't able to really walk around much at that point. So they gave me some fluids, um, you know, to make me feel a little more comfortable. They said, you know, you did lose some blood. So let's get you stable there. Um, they gave me some IV fluids. And of course I say all of this uh, probably is like, oh my gosh, you know, was she even fit to leave the room or leave the birth center? Um, but they were, everything they did was so professional. I again, felt really well cared for, um, and how they handled the entire experience was done so promptly, so professional without question. Um, I just, again, really appreciate that, you know, was just their sense that, if they needed to transfer me at any time, that was an option. But in the end, I avoided having a C-section, which probably would have been what happened at the hospital. Um, and I, I am thankful for that. You know, she came out, baby girl was fine. She was doing great, healthy. Her heart rate was good. Um, so during all that, I felt very comfortable. Um, and so we did end up going home that night later that evening got her in the car, got me in the car. I felt good. I had food in my belly. I had some fluids, went home. Um, and we recovered at home and the midwife came 24 hours later to do a postpartum home check for me. And that's pretty much the, the birth experience. <laughs> well, it makes a lot of sense. Like, yes, it is, you know, 
very surprising to hear like, you know, they try and get you home within, you know, to recover at home, like three, four hours post delivery. But it makes a lot of sense because where do you want to really, when, after you've had a baby, you're uncomfortable, you know, you just want to be home in your own space and you're going to be able to sleep, relax, like decompress and heal better in your own space. And when you have somebody coming to care for you and check in on you at home, like you do with a midwife, it makes a lot of sense. One of the reasons why they keep you in a hospital, you know, for 24, 36 hours, whatever, whatever it is, or 48 hours. Um, I guess with a C-section, it can be, it's even longer, right, Amanda? Yeah. With a C-section, it's, uh, well, it it depends, but it's at least 48 hours if not. But like one of the reasons, one of the reasons why they keep you home is because the doctors don't come and see you. (laughs) You are there for the doctors. The doctors don't come for you. So it makes a lot of Mm -hmm. sense. Like, yes, shocking, Mm -hmm. but it is, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, they, they, they knew that they knew I would do my best recovery if I was stable enough to leave, which of course they made sure I was, um, you know, I was stable, baby was stable. Um, we were doing great. Um, you know, despite that moment of that scary moment, you know, when the cord snapped and I had some of the bleeding going on, everything else really went very smoothly, um, which I'm very thankful for. And, you know, her neck being a little out of whack, um, outside of that, she was thriving. She was just doing so well. You know, she, I was so thankful for that. So just being able to go home was a relief, um, because you do do your best healing, I think, and your best recovery in a setting where you truly feel comfortable and like you can get your best rest. Um, and of course, resting with a newborn is challenging in of itself. Um, so being able to go home and, have my mom there, uh, be able to, you know, get everything prepared for me. My mother-in-law left early with my mom to go and get things at the house prepared. So when I got home, I just went straight to the bed with my baby and nursed her and just laid down and was able to do that recovery at home. Um, and then having the midwife come, you know, uh, the following day to do an at-home check was again, really great, um, to not have to get in the car and go anywhere, um, just to have her come to the house and do a check on me and the baby. I was very thankful for that. And uh, looking throughout the entire experience, it just again goes to show that, you know, every mom bursts her baby in a way that in the end you want a healthy baby and things don't go according to plan, even if you have what you think is the perfect plan. But ultimately, if you have the right team in place to support you, you're going to be supported and taken care of. And at the end of the day, you're going to be able to hold your baby and you're going to be thankful for that. Um, however you got to that point. Um, and I was just really thankful that I was able to go naturally listen to my body. Um, and it, I really couldn't have asked for a better experience, you know, than what I had. So I just was so happy and I just feel encouraged that if I have another one, we shall see, I can, you know, work with these midwives throughout my entire pregnancy, which again will change uh, the game because I do have to keep in mind that they only knew me for six weeks before I had my baby. So they didn't have a whole lot to work with, you know, up to that point. So they really handled it well. So if you did have another baby, what's the likelihood that the 
thing with the placenta, like in the cord snapping, would happen again? Do do they know? Is, was it just like a, a, you know, a fluke? That was something I did wonder myself. Um, and they, you know, really didn't at that point, they didn't have a lot to go on as like, yes, this will definitely happen with every baby you have. Um, it, it, it really seemed like it was kind of a freak thing, um, that just seemed to happen. You know, when she came out, uh, it probably had to do with the fact that, you know, I was pushing for so long, um, and how she was stuck in there. Um, so, you know, your body's experiencing trauma, you know, in that sense. So I think there was a lot of tension and trauma going on. So when she did come out, um, you know, the placenta wasn't quite releasing like it needed to, and that caused extra tension on the cord. Um, and the, the cord snapping, it was more of a freak thing. So there really wasn't any concrete, you know, uh, what's the word they, you know, weren't really able to give me like, yes, this will happen again. Yeah. Like even percentages, I know with preemies, like Katie was given percentages of the likelihood of it occurring again Mm -hmm. yeah interesting but I guess that's one of those things that they would like watch for I guess right mm because it happened once so they would know for next time to just to kind of right watch it again right have a midwife with the hand right there ready to like (laughs) have two two people holding on one side of each of the placenta just just in case so that it's not a quick like thank goodness that midwife had fast reflexes Yeah. Yeah. She, I, I mean, she, it was within just a few moments, you know, she, she handled it so well. I mean, even if I was in the hospital during that situation, it would have been handled the exact same way in that moment. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it would, they would have had to act quickly. There would have been no time to say, Hey, we're going to do this. You know, let's make you comfortable. It's just, you have to act quickly. And that's part of when you have a baby, there's going to be unknowns like that. And, um, I was thankful for that, uh, you know, that she did act quickly, but she did tell me she's like the first baby often will pave the way for the rest. So um, she kind of, she said, we would probably expect you to have a similar labor in the sense that it would probably go very quickly um, because if she had not, if my daughter had not gotten her elbow stuck, um, she would have been out within a few hours, most likely. She said, you're probably going to be one of those that you tend to have quick labors. Um, but again, every, each one is so different. Right. Um, so we'll see. (laughs) Well, like, thank you so much for sharing like your story, because it's, it's one of like trusting your gut and advocating for yourself and, you know, trusting that you, what you want and what you know is best. And it's, it's, when you're in first time mom, that can be really challenging. So like, and, you know, also thank you very much for sharing your, you know, yours and Charlotte's birth story, because it's fascinating and so interesting to hear, but it's also a really great story of, of trusting yourself and, and what you want and advocating for yourself on your journey. So thank you so much. Thank you guys. I love, I really enjoy talking to you too. And I love the Facebook group, um, and everything you guys are doing, you guys have been so supportive and I'm thankful to have the opportunity to share, uh, you know, and not just for me to have this as a memory saved down the road. Um, that's, I'm so thankful for that, but also 
to hear the other stories. I love that you guys are sharing different stories. You know, you're not like every mom is so different. Every birth is so different. Every baby is so different. And there's nothing wrong with, um, if you don't feel like something is not quite right, changing it, it's okay. You know, look into your options. And I would do the whole experience all over again, uh, just because of how the end result was I had my baby, right. And she was healthy, happy. And she is a one-year-old just starting to walk today was her first time walking around. So it's just so crazy. (laughs) So I'm very thankful. Thank you so much for sharing. I I love hearing stories. Thank you for listening to this episode of That Pregnancy Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for an upcoming show, we would love to hear from you. You can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. We are at Best Life Moms Club. Until next time.